Hello there. Thank you for inviting me into your eardrums. I'm Sarah Wendell. This is Smart Podcast Trashy Books, episode number 467. This week, Tara Scott, who reviews for me at Smart Bitches, and who also reviews at several other locations online, is talking about how reading lesbian romance helped them realize their sexuality after having grown up in a very conservative religious environment. Romances help people understand so many aspects of themselves, and I love hearing how romance has helped Tara live more authentically. Now, I do want to issue some general trigger or content warnings. We talk about growing up queer in a conservative church environment, the specter of conversion therapy, and the discovery of mass graves at indigenous residential schools. I will have links to all of the books and the different places we discuss online in the show notes. Hello and thank you to our Patreon community. Every patron pledge helps make sure that every episode receives a transcript, and that makes every episode accessible as possible to everyone, which is very important to me. If you'd like to join the Patreon community, it would be awesome to have your support. Have a look at patreon.com slash smartpitches. This episode is brought to you in part by Osea. Now, I know many of you, like me, have dry skin in the wintertime, but have you noticed your skin feeling tight and dry in the summer, too? I definitely have. And Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil is my new favorite thing. All the products from Osea smell marvelous. I look forward to using the body oil every morning, and I love that it makes my skin look like it's glowing. It's not greasy or sticky, either. Osea soaks hand-harvested Andaria algae in barrels of oil for up to six months, and the result is this liquid gold. It is a rich, luxurious, never-greasy body oil, fragrant with citrus and top notes of sweet passion fruit. They've also made clean, safe skincare products since 1996. It's vegan, it's cruelty-free, responsibly sourced, there are plant-derived ingredients, and it's a female-founded and family-operated company. You can reveal your summer glow with skincare from Osea and get 10% off all products on your first order with promo code Sarah at OseaMalibu.com. You also get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $50. That's 10% off with code Sarah at OseaMalibu, O-S-E-A-M-A-L-I-B-U.com. This episode is brought to you in part by Acorn TV. I was so excited when I saw they were underwriting part of the show. If you are feeling like you have watched literally everything, possibly twice, and you would like some new weekly shows and brand new binge-worthy treats, you have to get Acorn TV. Acorn TV is the largest commercial-free British streaming service that features compelling stories, exclusive premieres, and originals you won't find anywhere else. You get thousands of hours of new enthralling content on Acorn TV for a fraction of the cost compared to most streaming services. It's just $5.99 a month. They have a new series called The Wine Show. Could this be more perfect for me? Probably not. The Wine Show is what it says on the tin. It is a documentary about all things wine with not one but two Matthews, Matthew Good and Matthew Reese. They investigate the history and stories behind different wines. They travel to vineyards, they speak with experts, and they bring viewers along. It is gorgeous to watch and it is wonderfully produced and it's about wine. There are so many beautiful shows on Acorn TV that are from overseas that I would never have seen without it. And it is so easy to stream Acorn from any device, including my TV. If you are ready for a streaming service that offers new stories, new characters, and breathtaking sceneries every week, do what I did and get Acorn TV. You can try Acorn TV free for 30 days by going to acorn.tv and use my promo code Sarah, but you have to enter the code in all lowercase letters. 
That's acorn.tv code Sarah, lowercase Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, to get your first 30 days for free. And if you already have Acorn and you have recommendations, I would love to hear them. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you in part by Gainful. There is nothing more personal than your health. So when it comes to finding the right nutrition supplements to meet your fitness goals, you need a personalized approach. Thankfully, now there's Gainful, a personalized nutrition system that's formulated for your body and your goals. Gainful gives you peace of mind that your protein, hydration, and pre-workout supplements contain the finest ingredients specifically for you. I love when there's a quiz, and this quiz is wonderful. I started by taking the five-minute Gainful quiz, which considers my dietary needs, my fitness and health goals, and my unique physiology to personalize my formula. Then I received a follow-up email from a registered dietitian who is checking in that what I had received was working for me. Gainful delivers my supplements with no shipping charge every month. I can cancel any time or adapt my plan as needed. But this is my favorite part. The supplement is flavorless and I receive different flavor boosts so I can customize how I want my supplement to taste. Chocolate and peanut butter, matcha green tea. It's up to me. I have options and I'm not stuck with a giant tub of one flavor that I'm going to get tired of. It's a total win. Start your personalized fitness journey today with Gainful. Get $20 off your personalized supplements by going to gainful.com slash Sarah. That's gainful.com slash Sarah for $20 off. Gainful, personalized nutrition made for your tastes. As I mentioned, links to the books and the assets we discuss in this episode will be in the show notes and at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. But for now, let's start this episode, shall we? On with my conversation with Tara Scott. I am Tara. I'm one of the staff writers here at Smart Bitches Trashy Books. I think it's been almost two years now. I am also a regular uh, reviewer contributor at Lambda Literary and at the Lesbian Review. And I also have my own podcast called Fairly Recommended with Chris Bryant, uh, who is an author where we are just dorky and give queer media wrecks all the time. Okay. So the reason I'm playing this is I have a very important question here. Okay, so uh, South Detroit, South Detroit is Canada. You that's are actually, from. then that's actually where you're from. So this song yeah. is yes. about you. Yeah. Okay. Right? All right. It's so basically me. <laughs> you didn't know that song was about you, did you? I didn't. I also didn't even know that people thought of South Detroit as Canada. But I, I think mean, I'm the is, only yeah. person. Adam and I are exactly the only ones who are like, which is Canada? Because if you go due south from Detroit, what's there? The town where I grew up. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's so that is hilarious. Or at least the county where I grew up for sure. So maybe I'm not exactly in there, but definitely I have family who is. Like right. it's not about me, it's about my family. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And they should not stop <laughs> believing. <laughs> no, we never will. <laughs> You have no idea how delighted I am to not only know that this song is about you, but that you are technically from the Canadian South Detroit. Isn't that the best? Yep. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you mentioned at one point that romance, reading romance helped you Mm -hmm. figure out your sexuality. That's correct. So romance made you gay. (laughs) 
Uh, Unrealistic expectations. So please (laughs) tell me the start of the story. Where did you begin and how did you get to where you are now? 10 years ago, I was pregnant with my oldest daughter and I was completely checked out at work. It was a highly toxic work environment and I couldn't go look for another job because I mean, I was pregnant with my oldest daughter (laughs) and uh, in Canada with our year long maternity leaves, it's a real bad choice to go find another job at that point. Like you want to wait until you've had your baby, you're done or whatever. And so somehow I, I can't even remember how I came across it, but that was when I first became a fan of the site. Um, And I was getting recommendations from like you and whoever else was reviewing at that time. And I remember like the joy that was Pregnesia and some of those other (laughs) reading Pregnesia while you're pregnant. Ooh, oh my God. What was that book that you gave an F that then you got thanked for because she sold so many copies? That book was a real trip. (laughs) It was one of the Harlequin Presents. The billionaire Playboy Sheik's Virgin Stable Girl by Sharon Kendrick. (laughs) That's the one. It was hilarious. Not Um, only. Did the author, does the author still thank me and dedicated her next book to me? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But two employees at Harlequin HQ dressed up as the billionaire Playboy Chic and the Virgin Stable Girl for their in-office Halloween party and won the contest. Oh my God. That book is an unlimited gift. Yeah. Right. If anybody hasn't read it yet, like do yourself a favor and find it because you will laugh your ass off. It it is among my favorite books and among my favorite reviews. (laughs) Right worth it um but i've you know i really got into victoria doll maya banks that lorelei james gigantic cowboy series with oh, yeah. all the books in the world um but around that time i was scrolling through jezebel as one does as 10 do. years ago when they're not paying attention to anything at work and <laughs> they reprinted a list from autostraddle that said uh it was called something like the the top 10 lesbian romances on my kindle right now I love, by the way, Autostraddle. I love them so much. They are amazing. The best, right? I absolutely adore them. Yeah, they're uh, the 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 content they're doing by and for the queer community is among the best in the world happening right now. No question. And um, so I didn't know that lesbian romances were a thing. And I actually turned to my coworker, who's remained to this day one of my best friends. I was like, "Did you know lesbian romances are a thing?" And she's like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> the books did you know the book did you know this was a thing um because I didn't and so I read the first one I read off that list was and playing the role of herself by Kate Lane, which is one of those books there there are a couple of books and this is one of them where if you ask a group of queer women what was the first lesbian book you read depending on the generation that's one of them oh that's interesting mm-hmm. um, a generation older it's curious wine by Catherine V. Forrest. Like, it's just, there there are certain books that are like lightning rods and just like change people's lives. And that was one that for me, and I I liked it. I I really liked it. And I was surprised how much I liked it. And I kept reading on that list. So I read Above All Honor by Radcliffe. I read It Should Be a Crime by Carson Tate. Um, Found Bold Strokes books that way, um, but just kind of kept reading them. And I was still reading some male-female romances. And then that kind of trickled to where I was only reading lesbian romances. And one day my husband sat me down and he said, okay, so you're reading a lot of lesbian romances <laughs> and that's totally cool. First of all, like this is not a problem, but do you think you might be bisexual? Because if you are, it's okay 
and you're not going to go to hell. And the reason why all of that especially was important was because I grew up deeply churched. Um, when I was a toddler, so my parents both grew up in the Catholic church. They stayed in the Catholic church, but when I was a toddler, they both um, became quote unquote saved. Like they were um, led to that kind of evangelical experience by a, fr- by a friend who was in the Pentecostal church. Um, and they decided we're going to change the Catholic church from within. And it's like, really, <laughs> you're, you're not, that train's been going for hundreds of years and it's going to do what it wants to do. And, but so of course the Catholic <laughs> church did not change the um, devil. You say, Right. But that meant that our family changed and we went to the local Baptist church. And so I grew up at, in Canada, it's called the Fellowship Baptist, Baptist Fellowship. I don't really remember. I haven't been involved in a while, but that's where I grew up in the height of the purity culture movement, where you are like signing those pledges to not have sex until after you're married, where you're getting those purity rings. Oh boy. Yeah. When did your family switch to going to a Baptist church? Because just in terms of the liturgy and the, mm-hmm. the and the theology, going from Catholic to Baptist is um that's a journey. Yeah, it's massive. Um, it would have been I was probably about ten or eleven. So oh, it a really been good around... impressionable age, just pre puberty. Yeah. How come we're yeah. not singing all the other songs anymore? I don't understand. Right. Why don't we go to the same church as the rest of our family and our cousins and aunts and uncles? Uh, Yeah, it would have been like 1989, 1990. So like just perfect for me to be in youth group. And and it wasn't like we just went to church. Like our family was a part of the infrastructure of the church. Yeah, Like my dad was a deacon. My mom was on the kitchen committee. She and I worked in the nursery. I led Sunday school. We went to Sunday school. We went to... There are like eight other things that I could list and I'm not going to. Um, so church f- was like a like a part-time job for everyone in your family. Yes. And, and probably so a major of- social outlet too. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. even after I moved out, like I stayed as a part of it. Um, like I, w- I was still, like when this happened, I was still in the church. It wasn't a Baptist church, but it was an evangelical church. So this idea that it could be okay was unfathomable to me. And it definitely led to a crisis of sorts that I'm grateful for now. Like it was difficult at the time, but like, I, I literally needed someone to give me permission to look within and see, is this a thing? And then realize, oh, it's definitely a thing. It's a thing that I compartmentalized. Yeah. And it's a thing that you can't engage with it because you have been taught that to engage with it in any direction, outward or inward, is bad and you must punish yourself immediately. A hundred percent. But it's like now I can look back, of course, and it's like, why did I like watching Robin Hood Prince of Thieves so much? Oh, because I thought Maid Marian was really beautiful. <laughs> well, like, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> right? Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, the thing I love about that movie, complete aside, is that everyone mm-hmm. who's in it is in a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Costner is in one movie and Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio is in a completely different film. And we're not sure where Morgan Freeman is. Morgan Freeman, uh, he he exists on his own plane. And then Alan Rickman Mm -hmm. is like, he's in a comedy. Yes. He's doing an episode of Blackadder turned up to 11 and a half. Like, I love that movie because everyone's doing a different thing. But also, much like there are specific lesbian romances that were the Mm -hmm. lightning rod for different communities, I, I bet a lot of people had some sort of an awakening with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I mean, I like to think 
there's multiple ramen hoods that are responsible for awakening multiple things because I mean that Whoa. animated one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hot scoundrel Fox. I had a real problem watching the uh, the Pixar movie with what was it Judy and it was Zootopia. Zootopia. Yes. I had a real problem watching Zootopia because that was basically Fox Robin Hood and I'm watching this movie with my kids and my inner self is like wait 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 we want to we want go back to the fox. Right. I love the Disney Robin Hood so much. Yep. Foxual awakening, in fact. Yes. Oh, that's, and like, you are not alone. There are so many, so many people out there. Oh, yeah. Sarcastic rogue heroes are my fave. Anyway. So now that we've taken a deep dive into my types, (laughs) let's go back to Uh your types. Yeah. So when you're, so when your husband sat you down and Mm -hmm. said, do you think you might be bi and no, you're not going to hell? Mm Mm-hmm. You were still very much in the perspective that you had grown up with in your church. That had stayed with you. That's right. Ouch. Discomfort. Yeah. And to be honest, I remember him saying that. And I remember like, but I don't even remember my response. Wow. It's like my brain didn't capture it. It's like my brain just like, he said that and it just like, yeah, (laughs) skip over that part. We're not going to unpack all of this. We're just going to, yeah. Well, which I get it. I mean, it was a protective thing. Of course. When I when I think about it, like I can't say for sure all of what happened. Like I do know that I was at least attracted to enough um, boys as I was growing up that I could point to. Like, okay, well, clearly I'm not gay because I'm attracted to this person. But then when I look back and I can think, oh, okay, so I was attracted to like four boys, and then like how many girls? Like, and foxes. Yeah, don't forget the foxes. Right. Oh, never forget the foxes. <laughs> um, and I wonder if it was just protective. I didn't know many queer kids growing up. It was not an area where it was safe to be queer, that's for sure. And also um, a time I, when it was really hard to be queer. Well, and I mean, that area of South Detroit <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> is I'm about to say like a, a hard truth, but it feels good saying South Detroit. Um, Sorry. <laughs> that a- no, that's just what it is now. That that area of Canada is one of our Bible belts, which I didn't know until I left. But it's like, or there was like the one lesbian who was like four years ahead of me in high school who they talked so much shit about her uh. and she got right out of town. That's what you do. And so like, I'm in this very church environment and it's like, I, I didn't know what conversion therapy was at the time. It wasn't a thing that you heard about, but like, I'm almost positive. I would have been sent. Yikes. I have to think. And like, I don't think I knew that at the time, but I think I knew something bad would have happened at the time. So you knew enough that even though you necessarily didn't have the words for what you were thinking or words and context for what you were feeling, you knew I should not be talking about this. Yeah. And I mean, maybe it's not fair for me to ascribe that particular egregious intention on my parents, given that we can never go back and know for sure. Of course. And so in a way, this isn't even specifically about my parents. No, their community would very, there are people definitely in that community who would have been like, oh, well, I know exactly what needs to happen now. That's right. If your child has said that they are queer, then here is where they go to have that undone. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, not that far off from my aunt who was literally sent away when she got pregnant as an unwed mother. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
And it's not that long ago. No. Seems to be a recurring theme lately in Canada. Oh, fucking Canada. Right? Like, (laughs) now listen, I I have absolutely zero, zero square kilometers on which to throw shit from down here. I I have a raging case of Desperica. I uh, I don't know what the equivalent name is for Canada, but I do I, I I know this feeling. It's a horrible feeling. I think the only thing that's been surprising about the discoveries at the residential schools is how many people have been surprised by it, and that has made me almost as angry yeah. as finding out the actual numbers of bodies at the residential schools, um, because I think Canadians we love our identity as the kind cu- country. And we love saying, well, that country has the racism problem and that country has this other problem and whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. We have our own problems at home that are systemic and that are terrible and that we need we need to deal with. Yeah. So, I mean, and if there are any Canadian listeners who are wondering, like, what can you do like just as a minimum i would start by making a donation to the organization that supports uh, residential school survivors because there is one yeah that is a thing that you can do to participate in reconciliation if that's something you're interested in mm-hmm. and and also not only were there residential schools in the u.s and in canada but they closed 1997 1998 was the last closure yeah i think the la- the last one was in the late 90s yeah not that long ago no not that no. long. So these are these are these are people who would have been our neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. They would have been alive now. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sorry um, that y'all are having this experience. It is awful, awful, awful to deal with this the deliberate ignorance of your neighbors. Whether it's I'm, deciding that there's not racism or deciding not to get a goddamn vaccine. Oh, right. White supremacy is a hell of a drug. It really (laughs) is. It really is. So that's the thing that I I have trouble with sometimes because I recognize that I have privilege on a number of axes. And the only areas where I have less privilege, I would say, is, you know, because of my queer identity um, and being a woman and even then like being a gender nonconforming woman. But like I have class privilege. I have skin privilege. What do you do with that when you know that it's systems deep and the systems need to be dismantled, but also you can't do it all on your own anyway? Yep. I will give you like a you quote can- from my former senator who I voted for twice, but I no longer live in his uh, his state. Cory Booker says, never mm-hmm. let your inability to do everything impede your ability to do something. Yes. There's absolutely. always a thing you can do, even if it's a small thing. It's, it's better yes. than having done no things. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So you realized because your husband very kindly said hey yes do you want to examine this yes and he had to make sure to say i don't think you're going to hell that's right wow yeah so how did you approach that and start to undo that thinking because it's really hard to reframe yourself like that i mean to be honest i should have gone for therapy but i did Um, I have since found a therapist and she kind of knows, I I shared some of this with her as a background because I I really wanted to have somebody who was queer competent and who understood that this was kind of some of my damage. Um, and I continue to work through it even now, like expressive writing is an absolute gift and a thing that I do quite a lot of, but at the time we talked a lot, like he and I, we just, we do. You and your husband. Yeah. 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 My husband and I, are ve- if we're good at anything, 
we're really good at communicating with each other. Yep. Um, and so we just talked and talked and talked and talked until I was able to start saying it to some people. I will be back with more of my conversation with Tara. But first, I have two things to tell you about. Heads up to my fellow menstruating humans. I have some frank body talk and a nifty new thing to tell you about. This episode is brought to you in part by FlexFit, a better way to have a period. If you're like me, making sure you have menstrual supplies can be a little bit of an anxious chore. I never realize I'm out until I need one right that minute. And I've been wanting to try reusable menstrual options, but I had no idea where to start. I need something I can depend on that won't make me feel wasteful and that, you know, protects my clothing. But if you want a period product that looks out for your body, your lifestyle, and the planet, you've got to try Flex. Flex is innovating period care with products that are body safe, made for comfort, and made to keep you moving, and they have options. There's the Flex Disc, which is a one-time use menstrual disc that fits perfectly inside your body. One Flex Disc can be worn for up to 12 hours and holds as much as three super tampons. It's not a cup and it's better than a tampon. It is unlike any period product you've ever seen before. And if you want to go zero waste and have the planet love you even more, pick up the Flex Cup, which is a reusable menstrual cup that Cosmo rated number one. The patented pull tab makes the Flex Cup the only cup on the market that removes like a tampon. It's so easy. You already know how to use it. It is disability friendly. It is made with beginners in mind. It is velvety soft, completely body safe, and it will last for years. I am so excited to have a reusable product that works for me. My favorite part of the Flex experience are the helpful videos, in-depth diagrams, gift sets, and Flexperts available to walk you through the entire process. You will never go back to products from the past once you try Flex. So say goodbye to cramps and lend Mother Nature a hand. Go to flexfits.com slash Sarah and use code Sarah for 20% off Flex Disc Starter Kits or 10% off your first Flex Cup plus free U.S. shipping. That's code Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at flex, F-L-E-X, fits.com slash Sarah. This podcast is brought to you in part by Hydrant. Now, I drink a lot of water. It is very important to stay hydrated, and it's easy for me to forget when I'm working or, you know, podcasting. Hydration is not only important for my voice, but it's also tied to improved mood, better focus, and mental clarity. And, you know, water is great, but electrolytes and water hydrate people even faster. And that is where Hydrant comes in. Hydrant is a refreshing drink mix powder made with four key electrolytes, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. It's made with real fruit juice powder and no artificial sweeteners or synthetic colors. No nonsense, all science. Hydrant Sleep is a new bedtime mix carefully formulated to promote restful sleep and hydration. Hydrant Sleep includes melatonin, magnesium, GABA, and chamomile to promote restful, high-quality sleep, which you know I love. Plus, it's backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't love it, send it back for a full refund. You really need to try it for yourself to see what I'm talking about. It tastes incredible and it works great. We have a special deal for listeners to save 20% off your first order or subscribe and save 30% on your first subscription order. Go to drinkhydrant.com smart or enter promo code smart at checkout. That's D-R-I-N-K-H-Y-D-R-A-N-T dot com slash smart and enter promo code smart for 20% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com slash smart or promo code smart and save 20%. 
We thank them for sponsoring the podcast, Hydrant, where water meets wellness. And now back to my conversation with Tara Scott. But also around the same time, reviewing is kind of the other part of what saved me really? as well. I didn't yeah. know that. One day I reached out to somebody I was following on Twitter and I said, hey, you should review this book. And she said, you should review it. Why don't you send me a review? <laughs> and well, that- you were hoisted by your own petard. Right. Well, I had marketer in my Twitter bio. And so Sheena from the Lesbian Review saw that and was like, maybe she can review. And so I became the first regular contributor other than her. There were some people who were giving like guest ones occasionally, but like, uh, yeah, that's what I started doing. And then because of that, I got hooked into this community of not only queer women, but queer readers. And so it was like... I found this group of reading friends that I'd wanted since childhood because that was my, like reading was always my thing. I taught myself to read when I was four. Like my mother never worried when I was quiet because I had a, I, she would just, I would be reading. Like she would, every time she would look, oh, look, there she is again. She's reading a book, but nobody wanted to read as much as I did until I found these people that like we were reviewing together. And then we set up, um, a face well actually Sheena set up a Facebook group to go with this podcast that she got me doing with one of the other reviewers we were running book clubs on there and it was just this constant like it was so validating to have like book friends but also queer book friends and who I could also talk to I mean I wasn't like sharing all all of everything with everybody in the Facebook group but the people that I built connections with I was able to talk to about this because I didn't have many queer people in my life in like in my real life as if that's not real life yeah Um, at that point and you know now I have more but it was so helpful to have that and to have community because then Um, you develop language you have a language you learn a language for how to describe what's going on in in your mind but also even though everyone's story is different and -hmm. everyone's coming out realization is different there's still that unifying moment of hold on a minute The dominant narrative is this. This is the dominant narrative that I am being told that I should be and I don't fit it at all. Right. That's a big, that's a big realization. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. really helpful to know that everyone who has that realization against what they've been told has that moment, even if the experiences of it are entirely different. Yes, absolutely. Well, and that's where reviewing turned from something fun because at first it was like, Oh, I love that. I can capture this energy that this book has yeah. given me and put it somewhere. Like, which is very, very good. Isn't um, that fun? Cathartic. It's the best. I love Especially that for books you love, like yes. it's incredible. Um, but it shifted from that to realizing that my own personal mission could and would become um, connecting more readers with queer books. Yeah. And because it was so transformative for me, how many people didn't know about all the lesbian books out there? Because there are thousands and thousands. And unless you have somebody literally pointing you towards them, especially then, especially 10 years ago, because at that point, no major publishers were putting out any FF books. And now there's a handful, right? Like Avon's done a few. Like we basically have Meryl Wilsner's book. We have that new um, Casey McQuiston book, which I'm not going to shut up about for the next year and a half because I love it so much. <laughs> we have Alexandria Belfler's first book. Uh, 
you know, like uh, Olivia Waite. And I think there's a cat Sebastian, but that's like largely it from the large publishers. And so at the time, like you really needed like a map and a compass and possibly a Sherpa, <laughs> definitely some snacks to sustain you while you get there. Cause it was this little walled garden of expensive of indie books publishers. too. Let's not forget that when you're talking about these books, these are 10, $15 in ebook each. Yes. Yes. So you because need- it's all. It's all it's small all indie publishers. Yeah, yeah. that is not to knock the price of doing business. Like of all things, no. I understand the price of doing business, but it's also hard to say to a reader on a limited budget: these are the books. Just pick one. You need you need more you need more information before you drop you know a lot of That's money right. on a single book. That's Especially right. because a lot of libraries also don't stock them. No. That's been getting better. It has been getting better, but it's harder to find them in libraries. Yeah. 10 years ago, it was very (laughs) difficult. It was very, it was not like literally if I hadn't found that list, I don't think I would have found them until, geez, I'm trying to think when they started coming up on book Twitter. Was it like five years ago? Yeah. Yeah. It depends on who you find. You have to know the right people on book Twitter. Yeah. So I decided that I wanted to be that people. (laughs) people on book twitter um and and that's why like if you follow me on twitter i have five tweets that go out a day yes i recycle them sorry i have a job and a family (laughs) things to do i can't write them new all the time but they're still and i have something like 400 of my reviews on there um across all the sites that i review at so if you're looking for those books you're going to find them you're going to find them. I mean, you have to like what I like. But you can at least go to the sites and see who else is reviewing. If you don't like what I like, maybe you'll like what, like at the Lesbian Review, maybe you'll like what April likes, or maybe you'll like what Victoria likes. Like there's a ton of us there, each of us with our own tastes and followings. So as you read more lesbian romances, mm-hmm. and as you sort of started to unpack the idea that, well, hold up, maybe this applies yeah. to me. Maybe I am bisexual. Mm-hmm. What happened next? Was this like a, Oh, I feel great now. All good. Thanks much. We're all great <laughs> no. now. Yep, everything's fine. No, it was uh, it was really hard probably for about a year because I think the thing that it took me a long time to figure out is that um, discovering a new part of yourself, like perhaps say a latent sexual orientation <laughs> awareness, it's one of those things that means everything and nothing all at the same time. Oh, that's a really good way of putting that. Right? Like nothing needed to change, but at the same time, because I had this awareness, it felt like everything was different. And the biggest question that I had is what do I do with this? Yeah. Um, And luckily I was, and still am married to somebody who's incredibly patient and willing to go that whole journey with me um, because I know people who their partners were not okay with that. And those marriages didn't survive. And I think, um, because he was just always there yeah. and he wasn't, um, he wasn't ever threatened by it. He wasn't ever afraid of it Yeah. to him. It was just, okay, cool. More information. And then from there, my relationship with my gender presentation changed. I should dig up an old photo, but basically I, I joke about the, the photo from when I started at my current workplace and I've been working there for five years compared to like what I look like now. like that person looks like my Mormon cousin. <laughs> 
Oh man. I, you know, I had hair past my shoulders, like very, um, very femme presenting, but like very plain femme presenting, I guess. Like I wasn't invested in how I looked. Um, I didn't really care. I mean, it probably didn't help that I was still nursing at the time. (laughs) I didn't care about anything. Um, but I gradually started like, I cut my hair and then I cut it shorter and then I cut it into a very obviously masculine cut. And then I switched over from like more typically women's office wear to, you know, collared men's shirts that I had tailored to take them into the right places and wearing them with high tops and like very like, so that you look and it's like, oh yeah, that person's very queer. The thing that I find hilarious is that no matter how I cut my hair though, until I shaved my head and then my mom didn't say anything, but every other time I cut my hair, she was like, oh, it looks so cute. And I just want to say like, mom, it looks super gay, <laughs> but okay. I, you know what? You're, she's supportive in her own way. And I think it's really sweet that she tried to. And also like, we haven't talked like my, I have talked to my parents about it. We don't talk very often about it, but I think just as like the ultimate sign of loving me as I am, is that the person who took in those shirts was my dad. Oh, that's so sweet. He was like, sure, no problem. Let's figure it out because he uh, does tailoring and I went back on a visit and brought 10 shirts with me and I brought 10 shirts back home to Calgary that fit me perfectly. Oh, so your dad took in your shirts. You have grown into how you want to dress. You've grown into how you want to present yourself. You've grown into your identity. How much is, how much of queer romance is still part of that? It's, I mean, I still, I still love to read it. I would say it's still the majority of what I read. Although I have to say, I did burn myself out on it last year. I, and I don't know if it was that I finally burned myself out after almost exclusively reading lesbian romance for nine years or also pandemic life. Like I think the the two together were just real oh, yeah. bad for that. So I started reading a lot more um, nonfiction and I've currently, I've been on a kick uh, for the last couple of months about reading about the, uh, the birth of the punk scene in New York. Cool. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. I'm still reading about it, and which was perfect preparation for one last stop because one of the characters comes from kind of um, that scene. Sorry, apparently all I'm going to be talking about now is I just like I'm very excited about that. it's 2021, and I'm like, let's talk about the punk scene of the early 1970s, please and thank you. <laughs> like, this is my new pandemic obsession. Uh, this is not a bad obsession. No, because it no, certainly well, my- connects enough to the present day. Right. And my obsession last year was RuPaul's Drag Race, which I had never I think I said that yeah. earlier this year. Right. And I had never seen it before. And the thing that's interesting is realizing, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race might not have necessarily been able to exist without the punk scene either because RuPaul was in a punk band. Yep, it's true. It's all connected. It all comes together. It's all connected. So one of the things that you struggled with in your review of the last um, was it Alexandria Belfour's? Oh, yeah. Hang the moon. Yeah. One of the things that you struggled with with Hang the Moon was that uh, a lot of readers were confused and some were condemnatory of the fact that the heroine in that book is bisexual and has had relationships Mm -hmm. with women in the past. Um, And the book, though, she is with a man in this book. The book is labeled as a queer romance. And the, the author had to say repeatedly, yes, the heroine is bisexual. The heroine is bisexual. And there mm-hmm. were people who you spoke with who said that wasn't queer enough. On my podcast, really recommended. One of the things that Chris and I do, uh, a, a constant segment of the show, is we talk about what we're reading or watching or gaming or whatever this queer. I can relate to this. Right? Yeah. <laughs> a- I, I understand. So, I know all the words to this song. So 
I said that I was reading Hang the Moon. And um, I think we pulled... Yeah, we did. So one one of the ways that we promote the show is that we pull clips from it, use headliner, and then put them on all of our socials. And when we shared that one, there were a few people that reached out to me. And in one case, one of them even left the author tagged, which I really wanted to kind of throw up about. Specifically to say, sorry, but I'm not going to read it because there's a man in this. And it was like... (sighs) I get why people would be confused about the marketing because we're not used to seeing quote unquote own voices, queer books that have people of opposite genders on there. But I also don't know how you fix that problem. No. Why did you have to tell me that? I mean, I do also have uh, a couple people on Twitter who like to tell me every time they disagree with my reviews. Oh yeah. I get an email that says, I hate everything you love. Keep up the good work. But it's, right? it's, it's one thing, well, this is, this is a whole other conversation, but it is one thing to, I think, say to me as a reviewer, wow, my take on this book was totally different. I liked it or I didn't like it for this reason. And I see what you're saying here, but this did not work for me. And, you know, there's that, wow, did we read the same book feeling? Like that can be yes. very disorienting and, and it can be very challenging and a little scary to own an opinion that is in such opposition to what everyone else is saying. Mm-hmm. the The problem I have is when there's the addition of, well, what the hell's wrong with you? What if you just had your other opinion and didn't come into my virtual house? I mean, granted, <laughs> I leave the front door open to my virtual house, so I get that it's on me. Like, if I'm going to put these out, somebody's going to respond. But there's somebody's going to the element of the response that's, well, what is wrong with you? Is like, oh boy. Yeah, I've actually gone as far as muting a couple of people. Good. It's your social media. Do whatever you want with it. You don't have to apologize for upcycling content. You don't have to apologize for resurfacing your reviews at any time in any way you want. I do it all the time. Uh, Yeah, but you also aren't obligated to listen to somebody who wants to tell you what's wrong with you. No, no, I do not. But yeah, with that book, I don't know. The whole thing just made me sad because the vibe that came across was very like well this isn't a valid queer couple and it's like so does the character annie need to like pull out her this is how many girls i've dated card but also even if that was the case does that mean that my queerness is less valid because i've never dated a girl right yeah i hope not living very queer over here What lesbian romances do you recommend the most often to someone who hasn't read or hasn't read a lot of lesbian romance? Mm. Do you recommend Hang the Moon? No, I would I, I would not recommend that specifically, that one specifically, because that is not, if they're asking for an FF romance, that's not fair. That's okay. not, but I would recommend the first book. No, I yeah, think that, that sorry, I said the wrong cute. title. I said the wrong title. I meant the first oh, one. I'm written sorry, in the stars. Written in the yeah. Stars. <laughs> Good yeah, I would job, recommend Written in brain. the Stars. Yeah. It's very cute. It depends on the person and what kind of tropes that they like. Yeah. I tend to try to be as specific as possible when I give recommendations. And so if they like Friends to Lovers, then I would recommend Poppy Jenkins by Claire Ashton, which is just delightful. And that one is actually kind of a second chance as well. All That Matters by Susan X. Maher is another really popular one where it's not only a Friends to Lovers, but you actually get to watch the friendship grow. Oh, it's lovely. 
it's meaty. It's a real long book. It's like 500 pages or something like that. So if you're talking about like bang for your buck and lesbic, that is a great book for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also, for people that like, like zero angst, very fluffy, sweet Chelsea Cameron has a bunch that I love. Uh, My favorite is probably who we could be or hmm, marriage of inconvenience. Um, so it just really, it depends on the kinds of books that they like, or if they want something with a little bit more of a literary bent, then I would probably choose The Escape Artist by an author whose name escapes me at the That's present. Sorry, right. no worries, I'll find it. <laughs> um, oh, Judith Katz. Uh-huh. Um, and it's it takes place, I think, in the early 1900s, and it's this young woman who is trafficked from Poland to um, Buenos Aires, uh, and in a, in a brothel and there is a, she kind of falls for this street magician who is a girl wearing boys clothes and it's lovely. It's cool. really, really lovely. Who's your daddy is a super gentle by uh Salem Weston and McMahon is a super, super gentle, very funny, very silly, kind of a, a great way in it's, I wouldn't, it doesn't have the vibe of a romance. If that makes sense. It's a rom-com, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. Like if, if you want a rom-com, then it's good for that. Um, but there's, I promise there are so many, so, so many, and the sector is exploding. And now the one I'm going to be recommending to everybody all the time is one last stop because I love it so freaking much. It's why I I love it so much. It has found family is a massive thing. And I think it's my favorite found family that I've seen before. The writing is gorgeous. And I mean, just the idea of like, how do you have a romance that takes place where like the actual, the two people falling in love are doing it all on a subway. It's one of those, like, how is that possible? I don't usually comment on things in uh, author's notes or acknowledgements because I, you know, I feel like that's very much the author's, but the thing that I love and I have to quote that because it would be stealing for me to say that it was me saying it, but I love that she calls it an unbury your gaze story because it's this character who's trapped in time, who in theory should be dead, who is one of the leads in the romance and falls in love. And just the idea of unburying a gay is lovely when we know that, you know, burying your gay, like bury your gaze is a big thing that's happened in um tv and especially in tv but also in film where you see like tara on buffy and what's her name in the 100 please don't come after me Klexa fans i'm sorry i never watched it i don't remember which one died i love that the book is just it's pure joy and passion and i will come back to it again and again and again oh it's a queer kate and leopold basically i don't know i never saw that okay it's not good you don't need to Okay, but what if I got kind of stoned first? Is is that good conditions to watch it or is it still too bad and just go watch something else? No, if you get kind of stoned, the thing is that Meg Ryan is charming. And As always. It's Hugh Jackman, Thank right? you. God, brain. Wow, you're tired. Hugh Jackman is charming. They are both charming. Mm. Somehow mm-hmm. they don't have much chemistry and the script is terrible. But oh, no. But they're cute. There's some cute scenes. It's not a great movie. But seeing okay. it stoned, I mean, your brain will fill in all the stuff that isn't there. We watched Bedknobs and Broomsticks the other day for I the first time since so I was much. a child. And my only regret is that I wasn't stoned at the time. Ooh. Uh. Right? Neil was. He had a great time. I still had a good time, but I think I would have had a better time. 
Yeah, you definitely want to watch that stoned. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. That is one of my all-time favorite movies. I adore that movie. What I did not remember from childhood is that it's basically four or five movies smushed together into one movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like four different genres all packed together. Yes. Also, just as a warning for you and anyone who goes to watch it on Disney Plus, they have the extended cut on there. There is an extra 20 minutes. What? It, it feels like it. Really? Yeah, I think they just added like more uh, fighting to the battle scene, more soccer to the soccer game scene, more dancing to the dancing on right. Portobello Road scene. Like, yeah. I think they just extended it that way. Yeah. My favorite thing about that movie is that she wins because the dude has her back. Yes. She is always the heroine and she is always the one with the power. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I loved his whole like, wait, what? It worked. Yeah, (laughs) that this charlatan is delighted and like shocked, though. Yeah, that these spells are actually a legit thing. It's so good. I love that. She's excellent in that. Angela Lansbury is just like, what a boss. The two of them, they're so cute. Yeah, they are cute. Yeah. So, aside from one last stop, what are you reading or looking at? Anything else you want to recommend? Yeah, so uh, if you want to join me in reading about the New York punk scene, I have been reading this four months uh, because it's not a book that I, I can't sit down and read big chunks of it at a time. Unfortunately, it, this will be a shock to no one, but like the punk scene was not kind to young women. Mm, and you know, yeah, so you hear a lot about like Iggy Pop is sleeping with a 15 year old. I'm uncomfortable and I'm going to walk away for a little while. Yeah, I got to take a break. Uh, the book, Please Kill Me. Uh, it's Legs McNeil and Jillian somebody or other uh, compiled an oral history. And so it's nothing but quotes from people. But the flow of the quotes is what gives you the structure of the narrative. That is some some work too. That's cool. It's so good. It's really brilliant. And you kind of just have to, like, if you can stick it out until when Patti Smith shows up, It gets amazing. <laughs> Just hang on for Patty Smith in all Just, things yeah. and you well, will be okay. Right? Because it starts with like uh, Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground, which is like, that's fine. Interesting. Okay. But then it gets into like the Iggy Pop and the Stooges and their early days. And that's where it gets kind of gross. gross. And so there's that. And I've just started reading um, Covenant by Anne McMahon. It is the fourth book in her Jericho series. Um, so far, very good. Um, the thing that's interesting about this series is the first book, Jericho, is also one of those like very well loved when you ask in a, in a group of, of lesbian readers, what's your favorite romance that'll pop up? And it's another friends to lovers where you see the friendship develop and then they mm-hmm. th- and then the romance happens and it's it's quirky. It's lovely, small town romance. And then the second book is a general fiction, huh? which I thought was really brave, first of all, right. to shift genre in the same series. Like, that's that not typically a, done. That's a big shift. Yeah. Um, and so all the rest of the books are general fiction, but it continues on with what is going in the town. And so if you like small towns with quirky characters, then it's very good. The third book definitely has some difficult material because there's a, a girl in the town. It's actually the mayor's daughter, and he is abusive. Right. He is a very, he is a very bad man. And now I am reading book four, which opens with the mayor is dead. Now what? Oh, the mayor has been murdered. What do they do? Pa- uh, pa- party. 
Yeah, right? Bonfire bonfire in the backyard. I'll bring the Mm -hmm. beer. We're making falafel for dinner tomorrow. You want to come over? (laughs) I I heard the border's reopening. (laughs) Yeah, come on down. It's only, um, well, hang on a second. Do you speak Fahrenheit? Let me look this up. I do. I do because I grew up in South Detroit. Oh, that's right. I forgot. (laughs) We've we've talked about this. Yeah. Well, currently it is uh, 95 Fahrenheit. It feels disgusting. like 104, which in centigrade is a solid four zero. No, thanks. Is it, is it humid there too? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. It's DC. Very humid. No. The air is no, thick no, no. and chewy. It's, no. like, it's like chowder. You, oh, that's <laughs> the worst description ever. Oh, my God. No, you can come here at 72. Yeah, but don't you get like a wind that gives you a migraine? I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Tara Scott for being so honest and vulnerable to Garlic Knitter for the transcript and to the Patreon community for making that transcript possible. I am curious to know if romance has helped you learn or discover something about yourself too. If you'd like to share, I would love to hear about it. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can leave a comment on this episode at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. But I always love to hear from you and I would love to know what romance has helped you learn about yourself. As always, I end with a bad joke. I have a whole repository of bad jokes and some of them are emailed from listeners, which is the greatest. This one is from Reddit because it's awful and I love it. Are you ready for a terrible joke? I hope so. Paranormal romance fans, this one is for you. Why don't werewolves ever know the time? Why don't werewolves ever know the time? Because they're not when wolves. (laughs) (laughs) When wolves. (laughs) That joke is from Tuts McGee. Thank you, Tuts McGee. That joke made my day. I hope you share it with many people and that they groan very loudly because that's what happened when I told it to people in my house. So, you know, I got to share the joy. On behalf of everyone here, I wish you the very best of reading this weekend. We will see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts. Win wolves. <laughs>